listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Jim Bonnick. Thanks for sitting in today, Dr. Bonnick. Great to have you as guest co-host today. Yeah, great to be here. It is Set Apart to Serve Day here on The Coffee Hour. Every Friday, we share with you a Set Apart to Serve story, and we have a great one as we're going to visit both of our seminaries today. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live on common. Hey, you did a great job. Thank you. Well, we are excited to continue the conversation in the Set Apart to Serve series. Joining us today, the Reverend Dr. Charles Gieschen. He's provost and professor of exegetical theology at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Dr. Gieschen, welcome to the Coffee Hour. Great to be with you today. And here in St. Louis, the Reverend Dr. Ronald Mudge. He's provost and chief academic officer and professor of exegetical theology at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. Dr. Mudge, welcome back to the Coffee Hour. Thank you. Great to be here. This is exciting to be able to talk with uh, the provost of both of our seminaries at the same time and learn a little bit more about what a provost does and what seminary life is like. How is it academically rigorous or is it just all super easy? Because theology is really easy, right? It's rigorous <laughs> and exciting. I'm excited to learn about it. So, But I, I also want to learn your stories as well. Dr. Gieschen, let's start with you. Tell us about the story of uh, becoming a church worker. When did you begin thinking about becoming a pastor? Well, I happened to be a fourth-generation Lutheran pastor. So I actually started thinking about being a pastor very early. My father and my grandfather, obviously very influential in my life. However, just like every... Uh, teenager, I, I went through some rebellious years. And in my teenage years, the last thing I was planning on being was a pastor. I actually entered college as a pre-veterinarian studies major. But, you know, you have a way of, you know, I think it was that that organic chemistry class and just reflecting on my own embracing of my own heritage that led me back to the the focus on pastoral ministry. And so in college, I switched my majors and started that direction towards the seminary and couldn't have been more thankful for heading off to seminary and, and, and becoming a pastor. There's never been a day in my, there's been some tough days, but never been a day that I regretted the Lord leading me to the decision to become a Lutheran pastor. And I am thankful for the heritage of being a fourth generation Lutheran pastor. Great. And Dr. Mudge, how about you? What's your journey? My journey is not very exciting, but it does it does demonstrate how the Lord works through his people, his word, through prayer. I think I was in junior high school when I first started thinking somewhat seriously about vocation and thought about being a pastor and started asking friends and parents and family members, other family members, and they thought that would make a good pastor. But in high school, as I thought about it more, I was leaning more toward teaching. And so when I started college, I was planning to be a music teacher. Mm-hmm. Similarly to, to Dr. Gieschen, things, things happened as I continued to consider. I moved away from that. I, the process really was, I was thinking in, in terms of how fulfilling the work would be and thinking, well, maybe I'll be an English teacher because then you, you read great books and that talks about you have the opportunity to talk about the challenges of being human and the, the challenges that we face. And you can maybe see how that led to the greatest book that has answers to the challenge of being human and the challenges that we face is the Bible. And a pastor has the privilege of teaching and preaching God's word as people deal with what it is to be 
sinner and, and saints as we deal with the need for grace. And so the Lord used that in such a way that by the time I graduated from college, I was uh, heading towards seminary. And I I also have never looked back. It's a, it's a privilege to be able to serve Lord, the Lord as a pastor, a privilege to be able to preach his word, to, to baptize and serve the Lord's Supper and to deliver his grace to his people. Great. You know, one of the questions we get in Set Apart to Serve is, what's it like at the seminary? What do you do at the seminary? And let's just start with your own seminary life. How did how did seminary form you as a pastor? Well, I'll jump in here. I think coming from a large university, I went to the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, it was just a totally different experience. It was the, the most formative experience of my educational experience of my life was my seminary training. You know, I had great graduate programs, but nothing compared to what happened at seminary. And it was because the, the immersion with all these students who were on the same path, becoming pastors, we were, so I learned a lot from great professors who were models of, of, of study of the scriptures and models of being pastors. But I also was surrounded by people that were, were on that same journey. And so unlike a university where there's so much diversity, all of a sudden, you know, you have this path and I think the, the other thing that just gripped me was the vicarage experience of, of actually, you know, working alongside of a pastor in a congregation, even though I had grown up in a parsonage as a PK, as a preacher's kid, having that experience with another pastor really shaped me a lot. Dr. Mudge, how would you say seminary life shaped you? Yeah, I agree that it was uh, extraordinarily formative. God used that time to have a lot of impact. And part of that was the, the classroom aspect. Both of our seminaries are blessed with with wonderful professors, men of faith, men who've dug deeply into into God's word and communicate that well and apply it to, to human on earth. And to be sitting in a classroom and to be studying biblical interpretation in the Bible, to be digging in to the Bible passages that lead us to our understanding of doctrines, the identity of Christ, that he is fully God, fully human, for example. To, to read through the history going way back, and of course, our, our nearer history, Martin Luther and much nearer Luther, our nearer history with Luther's in the United States. And, and then to, to study the practical aspect of learning how to preach. How do you study a Bible passage, prepare to preach? How do you prepare Bible study? How do you reach out to your community? with the gospel, to, to be able to study those things in class that have homework on them was very exciting. And to do that in the context of a community where that's what we were all about was fantastic. Uh, my classmates were amazing. Those with me in my class and years older and, and younger as we were working together, uh, we had great conversations in class, outside of class, and we formed a community where in some sense we we practiced what we were learning. We forgave each other as needed. We helped each other to, to grow. We had great conversations of biblical teaching and doctrine and, and how to serve the Lord in his church. So we were developing knowledge and skills and getting ready for the actual activity of being pastors. And it was exciting and formative. Two things that really also impacted me was one, chapel. 
you know, hearing certain, I was used to Sunday services and during Advent and Lent, you know, midweek services, but this emphasis of worshiping every day and hearing so many different preachers and, you know, my, my appreciation of hymnody and liturgy and preaching just really grew through that chapel life where we were always gathered. And it was at 10 o'clock in the morning, the most, everybody's awake. It's the crucial academic time. And what were, where were we? We're together in chapel. Yeah. And then secondly, the global, I, I never really understood Christianity in, in terms of a, a broader global perspective. And to have international students that I'd have lunch with, you know, I, I learned more about <laughs> Christianity across the globe just having lunch with some of these international students and listening to them. It was just a fantastic aspect uh, that I wasn't expecting coming to Fort Wayne, Indiana and, and studying for the ministry. Yeah. Ch- chapel was, was just s- such a gift uh, to be able to have chapel together as, as the foundation of our community every day, receive the Lord's Supper in chapel once a week, just to, to be grounded in his gifts was wonderful. And we learned an awful lot about the liturgy by, by taking part in it as our, our professors and our students led. We learned an awful lot about preaching by hearing great sermons day after day after day. So that was fantastic. We, we also... It, the formation is really very holistic when you're part of a community. I I was quite shy as a new MDiv student, and my instincts always in a crowd just kind of hide by a wall <laughs> and observe. But guys brought me out of my shell, and they, they forced me to to develop some of those social skills that have served me well as a pastor from then on. And let me just mention quickly our resident field education and vicarage opportunities too. Shortly after we get here and settle. We're involved in a local congregation. The pastor is beginning to teach us, and it's that practical experience that, that forms us toward the pastoral ministry. Of course, vicarage is the big one where we, we get out there and do a lot of preaching and do so much more under the supervision of a fantastic pastor. The Lord puts all that together. It's very exciting, very fulfilling, and He uses it to prepare us to, prepare me to be excellent pastors. Are there aspects of seminary life that have changed throughout time? I mean, I, I know it's certainly changed since our seminaries began. Seminary life has changed quite a bit, but are there, there aspects of seminary life that have, have changed or evolved maybe in the last few decades? I would say yes, because the students, you know, have changed in their context. You know, we electronically, <laughs> we I remember when I came to teach at the seminary, long after I graduated, there were, was not even wiring for internet. You know, so the whole aspect of, of learning has been impacted by, obviously, electronic advances. You know, how you do research, <laughs> even how you... Well, I hate to say this, but when I was going through seminary, I, I still used a typewriter, you know, and, and I know that students nowadays can't even imagine what that was like <laughs> other than the fact that there's a keyboard on their computer that looks like an old typewriter but i i would say a lot of the essentials have stayed the same but curriculum always has adapted for example we used to spend a lot more time on studying religious bodies of america now we spend more time on the the kind of secular context it's not just important to know what Roman Catholics believe and, and Anglicans or Episcopalians, and, but it is important to kind of tune in with 
we have a, a non-Christian context often in terms of the so we spend more time of that in our in our curriculum. And I think in terms of you know for over the last several decades, those kinds of changes have happened. Yeah, and to follow up on on that, over the last couple of decades, the United States, the West, has become more post-Christian, and so our our curriculum have have changed to prepare students for that. So we spend more time and energy uh, talking about worldviews and how to engage someone with the gospel when they have have barely heard of Moses. And, and how to engage people with the gospel when they, they assume out of the gate that Christians are part of the problem rather than part of the solution. So, so we're facing those challenges and we're preparing our students to deal with the difficulties of living uh, as devout LCMS Lutherans in the 21st century and engaging the people around us. One other thing that I think has changed some anyway is just the diversity of backgrounds among our students, um, which is a wonderful thing. There are more not necessarily more second career people, but a variety of backgrounds that they're coming from and uh, different parts of the United States, different parts of the world, different language and ethnic backgrounds. Our, our students now get to meet an awful lot of Lutherans from an awful lot of places, including around the world. And a few, there are fewer that have just grown up LCMS all of their life. You know, we have people that have come into the church as adults and or, you know, have been a convert to Lutheranism for only, you know, three, four years. And so you, you do have a little different makeup than we probably, than we had, let's say, just 30 or 40 years ago in terms of student body. We're learning about seminary education and pastoral formation today with the Reverend Dr. Charles Gieschen and the Reverend Dr. Ronald Mudge. We'll continue the conversation here on The Coffee Hour in just a moment. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Jim Bonnick. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others. To live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world. To live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Jim Bonnick. We are continuing our conversation in the Set Apart to Serve series. Our guest today, the Reverend Dr. Charles Gieschen of Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne and the Reverend Dr. Ronald Mudge of Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, and learning about the academic experience, the seminary life experience, and how that all makes, forms a pastor, how that contributes to the formation of a pastor. Let's talk about what a provost does, what is the role of a provost at a seminary, and then we'll dig into the academic rigor of seminary education as well. So let's start with you, Dr. Mudge. What does a, a provost do at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis? Provost is the chief academic officer, so I oversee all things academic. That includes the MDiv program, Deaconess program, also our, basically all educational things that we do, <laughs> but our, our graduate school as well, the library, recruitment, our journal, our theological journal, online presence, the well-being of our professors, accreditation, those sorts of things. 
That's pretty much everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everything oh, except, I'm grateful for this, everything except the grounds and buildings and things, things like this. Someone else is responsible for maintaining the buildings. Yeah, very good. Uh, Dr. Gieschen, is it about the same for you as provost? Uh, it is, except I would add this. As long as everybody else is doing their job well, it's not it's not so difficult because, you know, when you think you're in charge of all the academic programs, you still have program directors. You have key people that are kind of watching those individual niches. And so typically... You know, the, when things are rolling along fine, it's what the challenges come in is when you're short faculty members or you have somebody that decides to retire or take a call someplace as a program director. And then you have to find the right person to keep uh, the, the team together and, and, and heading in the right direction. But we're blessed at both seminaries with a lot of key people that make our positions as, as academic leaders uh, at the seminaries very pleasant even if busy. Exactly. So we've used the term academic rigor here in this program a couple of times. Rigor doesn't mean bad, right? I mean, it's exciting and challenging, of course, but there's a lot of study and we want our pastors to be well-educated, right? So what, uh, Dr. Gieschen, what, what does a seminary student learn? What, what is the academic rigor? Well, you know, I like to use this analogy if you have somebody coming to do surgery on you, let's say neurosurgery on your brain or heart surgery on your heart, you really want them prepared well. And you don't want them you know, getting into it and saying, hmm, I didn't study this area too well of the heart or the brain. <laughs> and you know, we, we see our life in Christ. We see this, the spiritual life as certainly even more important in many ways, you know, in terms of the physical well-being. Both are important. So we want pastors to be prepared well to work with the heart and mind, not physically, but spiritually. And so at a seminary, we have several disciplines that contribute to that formation of pastor. Dr. Mudge mentioned, and talking about preparation, the immersion in the scriptures. Both seminaries stress this. You know, that Greek and Hebrew, not just English text in, in terms of delving into the scriptures for Old and New Testament. We stress the importance of history. You learn from the past, so you learn from the faithfulness as well as the failures of the past. And, and, and as you go forward into the future of, of the church, you, we also have a strong emphasis at both seminaries on the dogmatic theology, which is still, which is doctrine, but it was still the study of the scriptures just in a more systematic way. It's also called systematic theology. And then, as we've talked several times, there's a real practical aspect right away talking about what pastors do, what deaconesses do, so that there's formation with the idea of how do we apply it in the life of people, the life of a community, the life of the church. Very good. Dr. Mudge, you can add to that if you want, but Dr. Yishin mentioned Greek and Hebrew. And for those who might not know, why why do we have our students study Greek and Hebrew? It, it's so they can study the Bible with absolute accuracy, basically. The Old Testament was originally written in, in Hebrew with just a little Aramaic, and 
New Testament was originally written in Greek. And we we need to, the, the Word of God is so important that we need to get it exactly right. And so our students study Greek and Hebrew so they can understand every word to understand the Bible with perfect accuracy. Great. Anything else to add to the, the rigor of seminary education? Well, I'll just add this. You, you know, one, one comment is both provosts are Bible people. We're Bible teachers. Uh, I knew that was going to yeah. come. <laughs> Dr. Mudge is Old Testament. I'm New Testament. Best of both worlds here. But, you know, it, it does show, I think, the pri- a priority. I mean, the scriptures are a foundation of all that we do. They are the source and the only source and norm for all of our teaching as, as um, faithful Lutherans. And, and so there is that strong emphasis on the use of the scriptures in the, the curriculum. And one of the things, I taught Greek for, for 10 years in the summer. You don't need to have a Greek scholar as a pastor, but you want somebody that is so concerned about, as Dr. Mudge mentioned, accuracy, faithfulness, and in interpreting the Word of God and understanding the Word of God. And so that's why, and, and honestly, the thing, one of the things that happens, and I'm sure Dr. Mudge would agree, it slows people down to appreciate the, the, the words, the word of God. You learn things by slowing down and savoring things that you have just glossed over in English when you're, you're studying the original text. And, and, and to, to use one unfortunate but real example, there are times when, when people who are outside of the church would say something like, Christians have misunderstood what the Bible says about homosexuality. And then they make arguments based on Hebrew or Greek. I've read some that are terrible arguments, but if you don't know Hebrew or Greek, you're kind of caught flat-footed. When you know Hebrew and Greek, you can look it up, you can check, you can verify. And we need our pastors to be able to, to do that and to do that on an array of topics uh, so that they, they, they get the Greek and the Hebrew right as they're dealing with God's Word. To talk a little bit more about the, the rigor let me just say that it is a seminary education, is an MDiv difficult? Yes. Will you work hard? Absolutely. Will God get you through it? Yes. I think just to put it in perspective, if you've gotten an undergrad degree and you're ready to work a little bit harder, you'll be fine. You have to put in the hours. You have to engage your mind and work hard, but you can do it. And one of the great things about the, the MDiv seminary education is that it's a balance of learning where you spend time reading and and taking what you've learned and making it a part of you. You spend time digging into God's word, interpreting it. You spend time doing creative activities, preparing Bible studies and, and sermons and such. So there's a nice variety of things that you're doing in your learning. It, and, and I think that's why I appreciate the word formation because... Sometimes we think of learning as only happening in the classroom, but it sounds what you've described, there, there's so much more to it than just learning in the classroom, that, that community experience that's happening outside the classroom, whether it's with your fellow students or with professors in, it, it, you know, at lunch or wherever it might be, that opportunity to learn and grow or in chapel, as you point, both pointed out as well. Um, we are just about out of time. I want to make sure that we have the opportunity to talk about how to learn more about seminary life and a seminary education at both of our seminaries. Dr. Gieschen, you want to share with us how we can learn more about studies at 
our seminary? Yeah, absolutely. There are opportunities for high school students to come to both seminaries, and we strongly encourage that. We have a Christ Academy where we have high school men and women who come to the campus. It really gives them a chance to to meet professors, to, to have learning experience with professors, and just to learn about their seminary, even if they aren't going to pursue that vocation. But oftentimes it helps them to feel comfortable that other people are thinking about church work and they don't look so strange. You know, people often get that feeling that if they're, they're thinking about being a pastor, that there's something wrong with them because their friends sometimes say, what in the world? But when they see other people, it really does encourage them. Plus, we have admissions people in terms of bringing the students who are interested in the seminary to campus at different times. Oftentimes, it's helpful to come to these prayerfully considered visits. Then they can meet other students and also attend classes and attend chapel, have a lot of questions answered by admissions personnel. So those kinds of experiences are readily available. Just go to the website of either seminary, rcsfw.edu, and you can see those things advertised. Dr. Mudge, how can we learn more about seminary life and seminary education? Yes, it's very sim- similar for Concordia Seminary St. Louis. For either seminary, do, do a, an online search uh, using the name of the seminary. You'll get to our website, and, and you can learn all kinds of things there, but don't stop with that. Get in touch with one of our admissions counselors. They love to talk through all sorts of issues, especially just where caller is and his or her life, what they're thinking, things that might lead them to or make it difficult for them to become for a man a pastor or for a woman a deaconess. And admission counselors love talking through those sorts of things and also talking through nuts and bolts of financial aid and how long the program takes and such. And then we have lots of opportunities to visit. As Dr. Gieschen said, we have opportunities for high school age students to come. And that's exciting from start to finish. They're meeting other devout LCMS Lutherans from around the United States. And that's cool. (laughs) It's just a good time. They get to dig into theology together, spend time in worship together. It's a wonderful gift. We have similar opportunities for college age and older second career folks to visit campus. So by all means, visit our campuses. Uh, get to know what your seminaries are up to. And if the Lord leads you, come and with us for pastoral ministry or for the diaconal ministry. One thing that Dr. Mudge brought up that's important for our hearers to know is, unlike sometimes other educational programs, the seminary sub- works to support students coming in with tuition up to 100%, which you don't see. In, but because of our concern for church workers not going out with huge debts, both seminaries have made that commitment through a variety of ways to have tuition supported fully. Yes, there still are expenses. There's living expenses. But even some of those other ones you know, that wives are concerned about, like the food bill, the seminaries really work hard to, to, to help make sure those kinds of things are met so that money should not be the key factor on whether one goes and, and studies for the ministry. Obviously, it's not a career that is paying huge ways, but it's also one where we're seeking to not have people go into huge debts before they start into the ministry. Yes, we thank the Lord for many generous donors made this possible, but Exactly that. Normally, an MDiv education, the tuition is, is covered 
by generous donors, by the Lord working through them. And then there are a lot of other resources to help uh, singles and families, uh, food resources, and uh, just other resources that help a community to work together to get people through their education. Our guest today, the Reverend Dr. Ronald Mudge, Provost and Chief Academic Officer and Professor of Exegetical Theology at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. Dr. Mudge, thanks for being our guest. The Reverend Dr. Charles Gieschen, Provost and Professor of Exegetical Theology at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne. Dr. Gieschen, thanks for being our guest. It's been my privilege. You can learn more about Set Apart to Serve by visiting lcms.org slash SAS. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Jim Bonnick.